official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com. In a bed in our basement, right? That's where I got sent. I got sent down to the basement. I didn't want to keep the keep the whole family up. Um, so, but don't worry. I don't have the uh, coronavirus. Everyone, <laughs> I went to the doctor. This is like day 16 of being sick. So I think I'm past the incubation contagious phase, but we'll, we'll sanitize this microphone for next week for uh, Adam's or whomever's sermon is next week. Um, this morning, we're continuing our conversation looking at conversations Jesus had in the Gospels. And and what these stories are, what these narratives are, is they're different than uh, looking at a teaching of Jesus or a parable of Jesus. And I actually found it quite a bit harder than I anticipated to categorize specifically the difference between a teaching or a conversation of Jesus is because there's very few kind of normal what you, you and I might consider conversations kind of back and forth um, between Jesus um, and other people. Um, there's few kind of like extended conversations. And I actually don't think that's because Jesus was a poor conversationalist. I actually think it's, it actually speaks to the fact that um, Jesus was a master conversationalist. So at times he, he frustrated and confused people, but it was often because in Jesus's conversations and his teachings and the parables, he told that in his conversation, he was much like a good counselor in that a good counselor is not someone who's you're sitting with and who is in many ways just giving out good advice, but a good counselor is often someone who has learned how to ask good questions and to draw out what is true and real and, and experienced and felt in your heart as a person, right? And so we see Jesus doing that in the questions that he asks is that he's drawing out um, self-awareness from the other that leads to wholeness, or he tells a parable that illustrates not just a fact, but a deep truth that has layers of meaning to it that we can explore uh, really now for thousands of years. We've been exploring the teachings and parables of Jesus. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at a conversation Jesus had with a paralyzed man in the gospel of Luke chapter five. And I actually think this, this story has been on my mind probably because I've been laying in bed for much of the last two weeks, right? And so I was drawn to a story in which there's a man who just is laying around, right? <laughs> also, y'all need to shower just praise on my wife, Luann. I'm like the epitome, the the trophy example of man sick. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. I am completely useless when I am sick. I'm like, Luann, water, please. When Luann is sick, she's like getting the kids ready for school, for bed. She's making snacks. She's changing diapers. She's doing all that stuff. So just make sure you give her a little extra praise and grace. She has to live with this even if I'm in the basement sometimes. Luke chapter 5, Jesus' conversation with the paralyzed man. One day, 
he was teaching, and there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. The power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. And some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were trying to bring him in and to set him down in front of him. But not finding a way, any way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up to the roof and let him down through the tiles with his stretcher into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. The scribes and Pharisees, these were like the religious leaders of the day, right? The scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this man who speaks blasphemies, who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus, aware of their reasonings, answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins have been forgiven you, or to say, get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your stretcher, and go home. Immediately he got, he got up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. They were all struck with astonishment and began glorifying God. And they were filled with fear saying, we have seen remarkable things today. And so a fascinating story, right? A couple of notes before we jump into the details of this. This is kind of like general observations. If you're like to look at the red letter part of this conversation, the conversation seems to be a bit all over the place. The first thing Jesus says is, is he speaks to the paralytic man. He says, friends, your sins are forgiven you. And then there's these Pharisees, these religious leaders who are speaking amongst themselves. And the text infers that Jesus intuits. He has an intuition of what they're speaking about. And he addresses them. And then he addresses directly the paralyzed man and again. And he says, um, take up what you have been lying on and go home. Get up. And so Jesus speaks, and so there's kind of like, it seems almost frenetic, a little bit of a chaotic conversation. Right? He speaks to the man, he speaks to this group over here, he speaks back to the man, and there's a bit of like a chaos going around. And at first he kind of addresses this unexpressed, not obvious need, right? The obvious need being that he was paralyzed, and he addresses this group. And so the other generalization I want to uh, just observe, the general thing I want to observe about this conversation um, that I actually hope will be a frame for the rest of this morning's sermon is that what we see here is we see Jesus is concerned with the whole or the whole person whom he's having a conversation with. And I actually believe that this is why this conversation seems so frenetic, um, so kind of all over the place and why some of Jesus's conversations that we read, they seem peculiar and odd to us at times, at least to me. And I actually think it's because of this. Jesus is always speaking um, in a way that addresses the wholeness of a person, who a person is in their totality. This, this seems a bit odd to say it this way, but I actually find Jesus having conversations like this to be completely refreshing. He sees and cares for the whole person. And I think it can be jarring to us because we're used to conversations that are kind of the opposite of this. Many of our daily conversations are fractured conversations. Let me explain what I mean. A lot of our conversations tend to speak to parts of who we are, but not the whole 
person that we are, right? And so for me, someone might know that I'm, I work in the church or I'm a pastor or a minister. And so they might ask me a question like this. This is kind of how our conversation goes, right? Like, how's the church? How are things going in the church? Or uh, in other contexts, that kind of understanding of who I am might lead to a conversation like this. Like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I just dropped the S-bomb. You work in a church, right? I'm so sorry, right? And so it speaks to a part of who I am, right? Or, or the, those who know me as a coffee roaster or someone who owns a small business might ask me a question of, oh man, how's the business going? Any interesting coffees lately? Or if I'm getting an apology, it's not an apology for dropping an S-bomb. It's an apology like this. Oh, I'm so sorry. I put cream and sugar in my coffee. I get that one a lot. I don't care at all, by the way, just so you know. I know you're a coffee connoisseur. I know you're a nerd, right? And so uh, th- those are kind of the fractured conversations that we're used to. We're all guilty of this. We have conversations every day that's, that fail to speak to the wholeness of the other person we're having a conversation with. But every person is more than their job. They're more than their physical appearance. They're more than their marital status. They're more than their popularity. Every person you meet, every person I meet, has dreams and brokenness, and longing, and they have frustrations with how their life has turned out, and they have passions, and they have things and gifts to offer the world that will make the world a better place. And that's what we see in this conversation with Jesus here and other conversations that he has as well, so that he's speaking to the wholeness of the person. This communicates to me, this communicates to us, that Jesus cares about the whole person. He wants to know the whole person. Isn't that what many of us want? to be seen, to be known, to be healed as a whole person. And so let's look at this conversation a bit more closely. Um, I've hinted hinted at this first thing that I want to highlight, but Jesus doesn't immediately address the obvious reason this man's friends have brought him to Jesus. Why have his friends brought him to Jesus? They want want him to be healed, right? Right? He's paralyzed. They want him to walk again. They believe that, that Jesus might be able to do this for their friend, right? But Jesus offers something no one's asked for in the conversation. Friend, your sins are forgiven. Side note, what this is not, this is not Jesus ascribing sin as the cause for the man's physical ailments. That's not what this is. That's bad theology, We don't see that anywhere in the Gospels. Jesus never ascribes sin as the cause for an illness or a bad circumstance or situation. Jesus doesn't ever do that in the Gospels. We don't ever read about that. We do sometimes read Jesus saying that it is not the cause of that, right? So uh, that's what this is not. What this is, is it's Jesus seeing this paralyzed man for more than his physical ailments. He sees him as a whole person. He he sees him, he's concerned with the entirety of who this man is, not just his disability, not just his situation. Jesus wants this man to experience healing as a whole person and recognizes that there's something deeper. He recognizes that there's something deeper and Jesus goes deep with this man straight away, right? There's something deep in him. And I would actually, I believe this. I believe that there is a deep place in our heart that God wants to speak to each and every one of us. And usually that's where Jesus wants to go with us right away. That can be terrifying, right? 
But I actually believe this as well, that it can also be liberating, even refreshing. Friend, your sins are forgiven you. So sin then is a word that carries a lot of baggage. How many of you know what I'm talking about? In the simplest way I could define it for us this morning, sin is a turning away from the good that God intends for you and the world. The good that God intends for you in the world. It's a turning away from that. And so in that definition of sin, the story, the narrative, the theological arc, you might say, starts with God loves you and he loves this world and he wants what's best for you and what's best for this world. We're not very familiar with that narrative when we think of the world's word sin. At least I would argue that, right? We're familiar with this word sin being associated with things like not enough, not worthy, failure, unredeemable, etc. But the scriptural narrative meaning of sin, it always starts with God's intent for us to be known and to be a part of his shalom, his peace, his wholeness, his goodness. That's where the story starts. And so it's a, a sin is a turning away from God's goodness, his intent for our lives and for the world. And so it can be terrifying when sin is a word we're faced with, but we all choose to live in ways that are not aligned with God's goodness for our lives or the world around us. But we can rejoice that God's word to us concerning sin is not one of condemnation, but it's one of freedom and forgiveness and redemption and new grace, new mercy, right? Amen. Amen. We have enough words, I think, that speak to us that are not worthy, failure, unredeemable, right? The last place we need to hear that those words are church, right? And so, Yes, the conversation Jesus wants to have with us right away is one that goes deep and it can be terrifying, but it's also liberating and can be refreshing, right? Second observation, not only does Jesus want to have that conversation with us, but Jesus has the authority to speak to the deepest part of our lives that need forgiveness and redemption. Um, Adam spoke to Jesus taking issue with the religious, religious leaders a few weeks ago. So I'm not going to elaborate that point. If you missed that, just go listen to Adam's sermon from a few weeks ago. But I do want to highlight in Jesus, in the part of this conversation where Jesus is speaking to the religious authorities, the point that Jesus brings up in his uh, response to their muttering. It's the point that Jesus highlights is that he has the authority to proclaim forgiveness, grace, liberation. So Jesus wants to have a deep conversation with you but he's also the one who has the authority to speak to the, the deepest parts in us that need forgiveness and liberation and redeeming, right? Now, this is a cause for celebration. I heard you got a little bit Pentecostal last week. I heard y'all getting a little Pentecostal this morning. Um, can I get an amen that Jesus has the authority to proclaim forgiveness? A little bit of that, like, oh, too much Pentecostal scares some of our church, but um, we'll try not to do it all the time, okay? When Jesus 
has a conversation with you. His aim's not to just open up old wounds and bring up brokenness in your heart just for the sake of it. His aim is to proclaim forgiveness, grace, liberation, and light of those wounds and brokenness. He proclaims those things. And so I don't know about you, but I'm glad that forgiveness, grace, liberation, redemption, shalom, mercy, whatever it is that God is speaking to the deepest longing and need in our hearts, that it's not predicated on what we do or how well we believe. It's not. Or even in some cases, whether or not we are the ones who have approached Jesus ourselves, right? This man was carried to Jesus. It's because Jesus has the authority to do so. Last point. The last thing I want to highlight this morning is the importance of community in this man's conversation with Jesus. The paralyzed man is physically brought to Jesus. Now, I, I, I think this can be a call to us as a church community to bring our friends to Jesus. Amen. But this isn't. This doesn't mean we unwillingly drag our friends to church. We're called to be a community who brings our friends to Jesus, those who know Jesus, those who don't know Jesus. Now, this can practically like work itself out in different ways. You'll have to pray about that yourself. But I'd suggest that a good place to start is just learning how to ask questions that draw those who are nearest to you to the deepest needs of their soul. And so questions like Adam brought up a couple weeks ago, he brought them up in a sermon. Like if Jesus were to ask you, what do you want? What are you looking for? What may, what may I do for you, right? And so Adam asked those questions in this sermon, but we can ask those questions of those who are nearest to us. We can learn how to do that. And honestly, asking like direct, deep questions like this can be awkward, but for those whom it is being asked, they can be incredibly refreshing and life-giving, and it's a change of pace, right? Other than the how, how are you kind of generic things, right? Like questions like, how's your soul? Where are you experiencing brokenness? What are you longing for healing in your life for right now? Another note, questions like these are questions for friends, okay? These are not evangelistic questions. These are not head up, I do not suggest you head up to Church Street with a bullhorn and start yelling at people and asking them how their soul are or what their deepest longing is, right? Um, but learning how to ask these questions of those closest to us. And so if we think about um, outreach or evangelism, right? You know, what's the best place to start? Where, where do I start? If that's where I want to start, Ian, and bring my friends to Jesus. The best way to start, I'm not going to, I'm going to kind of strip away all religiosity or over-spirituality from my response to that hypothetical question that you guys are asking me right now. Y'all are asking me that? Someone say yes. Okay, yes. Okay. Y'all are asking me the hypothetical question, like, where do I start then? I'm not going to over-spiritualize it. It's just by learning how to be a good friend. Being a, being a listening friend to people, right? Just start there. Care for them. Be a listening friend. Learn to care for them as a whole person. Now, other thing I think about in the importance of community in this man's conversation with Jesus is a reminder that sometimes we need to be carried to Jesus. Sometimes we need to be carried to Jesus. One of the reasons I believe in the importance of the local church is because the church is at its best 
a community that leads one another to the healing, forgiving, loving, redeeming arms of Jesus. One of the reasons the the kind of founding leadership team of Church at the Well named our church Church at the Well rather than the Well, because we know y'all just call us the Well in conversations. And that came up, we're like, from a branding perspective, like, shouldn't we just be the Well if people are going to call us the Well? What is this? We actually believe that the church isn't Jesus, okay? It's pretty simple. We actually believe that the church at its best is a community that leads one another to the presence of Jesus. And so at best, we're church at the well, okay? We're not the well. We're not the source of life. Jesus is the source of life. At best, we're saying, hey, that's Jesus there. You have a question? I'm not used to this, but I'll take it. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think there's a, I think there's an import to, I think it was more of an observation than a question, but um, I I think to reiterate what I just heard to the rest of the church community, it was kind of addressing the sentiment, right? That um, you engaging something, even when you don't feel like it, right? Can still be life-giving and meaningful, right? And I, I would echo that sentiment, right? And actually think that we see that in this narrative. Is this a reminder that we need to be carried to, to Jesus sometimes? And so, um, and yes, pastors, preachers, leaders, announcers, worship team, right? All of us have times in our lives when we need to be carried to Jesus, right? I know I have had numerous times where, where I have been at in my faith, has been like the paralyzed man on a stretcher, right? Yes. While being employed for the church, by the church, right? Um, There have been times in my life where I've needed to be a part of a community that can be lifting me up to that. And so, or a part where, uh, you know, my wife can uh, be, her prayers have carried me through times when I've been paralyzed in my faith, right? Where, Where what has worked is not working anymore, where I'm not growing and stagnant in my faith, right? So there are times when we need to be carried to Jesus. Also thinking about this last point, the importance of community. Uh, faith, our faith is not exclusively personal. We often hear the term used, right? My personal faith. Uh, that's my personal faith, especially in election years, right? Y'all might hear that a little bit more coming up. Jesus doesn't seem too concerned with this man's personal faith, does he? He sees the faith of his friends and then offers forgiveness to this man. And then he addresses the forgiveness of this man's sins in front of everyone. Like, I read that and I'm like, facepalm emoji, Jesus. Like, what are you doing? Like, doesn't scripture tell us that love covers a multitude of sins? Like, shouldn't you bring that up? Another time, Jesus? Well, we, we know how the man thought about the situation, the paralyzed man. He's forgiven, healed, and he went home glorifying God, right? But there's just some things. Jesus is different in a good way, right? Thank God Jesus is different. Thank God he's not like me. <laughs> no one's sending Jesus to the basement. As we wrap up this morning, we're going to take communion together, something the church has been doing in community for thousands of years. And as we do so, may you be reminded that God cares for you as a whole person 
and he wants to go deep with you. The physical bread and wine, they remind us that God cares about our bodies, our physicality, that God cares about matter. He cares about the earth. But in blessing the bread and the wine and the act of communion, Jesus also speaks to the wholeness of who we are as individuals, body, soul, and spirit, blood poured out for the forgiveness of sin, bread broken, representing the body of Jesus given to us for our healing. And so as you approach the table this morning, I'd invite you to be reminded that Jesus has the authority to speak to the deepest parts of who you are and offer forgiveness, healing, liberation, redemption, mercy, grace, none of which is predicated on what you have or haven't done, but on his authority. Also, a note, if you feel like you are coming in carried on a stretcher this morning, carried to the table, so to speak, that you aren't coming to the table out of a having it all togetherness, right? You know what I'm talking about? Um, you aren't the first, you aren't the last, and you're not alone. But if you are experiencing doubt, fundamental brokenness, heartache, the table is set for you, and it's approachable. And may you know the words of Jesus to you, that they're not words of condemnation. They're words of liberation, healing, redemption. for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community. 